Welcome to the 501 Companion Podcast. This is episode number seven, and we have some fun sevens for you. For example, 7-Up is a great soda. The Mazda RX-7 was one of the coolest import sports cars of the 1980s. Seven days in a week and seven colors in the rainbow? Coincidence? We think not. And we just rolled our lucky seven. Nick, cue the music. All right, fellas, we are here, and it is the big number seven. Nick rolled a seven for us. We got our lucky dice in our hand, and we are ready to start talking about all things charities. You feeling good, guys? Definitely. Good. Well, Matt, you seem to be muted, so I'm going to go to you first. And do you have any lucky sevens or sevens for us tonight? In soccer. The number seven is the right winger. That's the right upward striker ring winger person who's going to be shooting the ball, right? And there have some been some fantastic number sevens worn by some of the greatest players of all time. Suarez, Son, Beckham, Ronaldo, and of course, my son. What I like about the number seven, too, and we're going to play into this a little bit in the marketing because that's what we like to do, is how Cristiano Ronaldo has turned that into his brand with CR7, CR7 Apparel, cleats, everything. So big fan of sevens. I am a big fan of sevens. Nick, how much of a fan of sevens are you? I'm a big fan of sevens too. And I have to, you you mentioned seven in soccer. How about seven New York Yankees, Mickey Mantle? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, Seven wonders of the world. Seven deadly sins. Ooh. Ooh. Coincidence? (laughs) Contents. Seventh inning stretch, back to baseball. And lastly, it's seven o'clock somewhere, right? It is seven o'clock somewhere, but not here because <laughs> one of us doesn't know how to use a clock. Just saying. Uh, seven thirty uh, either. That's right, fellas. Uh, I will fall on my sword for starting late, but I know you love me, and I love you guys too because we share this passion for. Health. I love you too, Matt. Big heart to you too. <laughs> uh, you know, we share this passion for charities. And the 501 Companion Show is definitely a journey, and we encourage all people who are jumping onto this first episode to watch and or listen to the previous episodes because this is sequential. We are building a learning uh, journey that we are on ourselves, and we hope that you come along with us as we try to make uh, the best possible charities out there and give the best possible advice. Tonight, we got a jam-packed show, but we're going to start with the news. Guys, I was um, looking around for a news article, and I decided to make one myself. I'm a car guy, as you know, and I stumbled upon this article on Edmunds.com. Now, Edmunds.com is traditionally a place where you would go to look up the value of a car, get some background history on it. There's a wonderful little article about how to donate your car to charity. And it's not a straight line, or at least it's not a straight line as it used to be. Um And they detail what you have to do in order to sell your car and or donate it to charity. What struck me, fellas, um, was I have in all of my research, not once, not even a single time seen anybody link to a place that would guide you to be able to donate your car to charity. And here's Edmunds.com. They're not linking to any charities. It just seems like there's this void that doesn't connect the dots. And I'm wondering in my mind, why don't any charities link to this to say, you want to contribute? You don't 
have any money, but you have a car that you're not using, here's how you can use your car to give back to your favorite charity. That was my take on it. Uh, Matt, what were your thoughts when you were thinking about this? I mean, I had a lot of maybe before I get into the whole marketing mission side of it, which, you know, I'll discuss in a minute, you know, the article that you posted itself, and we'll, we'll put that in the show notes and, and comment section. But I, I thought it was interesting because the article really focused on that difficulty of donating cars and, and like, what I mean, all of the steps that it takes and what you eventually get in the end and how the tax laws have changed to make um, donation of a car either not beneficial or somewhat difficult or cumbersome to do. You know, for instance, um, you know, when the car sells, what's the value that you get? How do you get that value back? Because it's not a transactional thing, right? I give you a card, but the car doesn't have value until the car sells or auctions or anything like that. And then, you know, you got to get, you know, that notice back and that claim back and that's got to go into your taxes. And then you get a percentage off on that for your write-off. And then you're like, right? So, so, you know, what I, you know, I thought that was interesting and, and we'll link it to maybe later, you know, kind of the two tactical areas. One is just, you know, when you're structuring an organization and I see it with technology as well, I would be a social organization. Well, if you don't have a social structure, you're not a social organization, right? You know, you've seen that, but the same with this, right? Because we look at pest analysis, political, economic, social, technological analysis, when you're starting to do vision, mission, any kind of company overview or, or strategy like that. And this is how governments, like you think to yourself, I'm just a little business. I'm just a little charity. But you can see how a change in federal tax law can impact you if this isn't, you know, part of your model, how we're going to take in income. All of a sudden it's like, hmm, it's a difficult model versus a PayPal donate button, right? So I just thought that was interesting. It is interesting. And, and, you know, when you look at what was in the body of the article, again, we'll link to it in the show notes. um, I still looked at it as an opportunity for a charity just pick a charity that says we would love for you to contribute here are ways now if somebody's motivated to do the car thing these were the steps you had to do but they don't make it easy at least in my mind to quickly get to you got a car donate the car and i just thought like why weren't they taking advantage of this opportunity? Nick, were you, what were your thoughts on this? Did you, did you fall on either side of this? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that hit me was that I would imagine a lot of smaller nonprofits um, would find it difficult as Matt said. Um, uh, The other thing that the other idea that, that struck me was, you know, how, how nonprofits may be leaving lots of uh, money on the table. Um, what other things are there that they can do, like donating cars that, that they may not be doing. Um, so those are the two things. But I, I yeah. do agree. I read through this and there's quite a bit there. There's, you know, how much is the car worth and how much you're going to get? And I would say generally, I mean, if you want to get rid of a car and you really don't care so much about the deduction, you have to itemize your deduction is another thing. I'm sure many right. people don't itemize. That's what I mean. Yeah. Difficult, right? Exactly. But if you just want to get rid of it and you really just want it, you're not interested necessarily in the write-off on your side, how it yeah. benefits you. I think it's a great idea. And uh, just a, 
I'm surprised, but then again, I'm not surprised because of difficulty, but maybe there are resources out there that make it easy for, for nonprofits to, uh, to do something like this. Yeah. So maybe if we, if we find some relevant links, we'll link those as well. Well, it's interesting what you said there, Nick, because, you know, that as they were kind of quoting in the article, you know, for all of your effort, you want to, you're trying to do something nice, maybe, or I don't know, or take an easy way out of like, I don't feel like selling my car. Right. And maybe I can do something good and get, save a little money. Um, but at the end of the day, you end up getting like a hundred, essentially a hundred or $150, you know, off your, off your taxes for, for something like that. And it's kind of like, wow, that was a lot of work to logistically operationally to make pull this all together uncertainty you know uh yeah. to, for yeah but what nick said also was but nick had said you said something interesting nick i mean not everybody's going to go through the effort of writing it off yeah you, you might just be able to say here's the title here's the car can you use this for pickups and deliveries it doesn't there you have go. to be right like there are ways and i think that was one of the things in the Edmonds thing which is sometimes it's just easier to go do you want this car yeah. make a couple of quick phone calls they'll come over you give them the title and you're done can you use it can you use it i remember once trying to sell a car uh that we had you know we didn't have a use for we were selling it just a couple thousand dollars and on two occasions, we met people in a parking lot, and I, I was I was glad I brought somebody, and it felt very shady. And I just thought, wow, this isn't – I just – it didn't feel right. I apologize for that. <laughs> yes, it was uh, it was you and your shadiness. Well, it, it was just down the street from where Matt is now. Uh, back, yeah, that, that background there for all the listeners, Matt looks like he's in New York City on the street. Yeah, it's kind of creepy when he does that. But, you know, when you when you think about it, um, sometimes it's not worth your effort and the money that you would get from a dealership feels insultingly low. And maybe yeah. there are ways, and this is where I'm going with this, guys. If you are a charity, you need to make it as easy as possible yeah. for people to contribute. They can contribute money. They can contribute time. In certain cases, they can contribute items. It could be food or clothing or shelter. Depends on the charity. So we urge the charities, the people who are listening, to think about ways that you can make it easier. And we will add this link uh, to the website. Yeah. Nick, what is the website address again while we're uh, referencing it? You can get to us at 501c3lookup.org and look for the 501c companion link right in the top navigation bar. Yeah, and then get all the old episodes there. So yeah. um, that concludes the the initial news portion of our show. And now we move into the main portion uh, where Matt has been taking us through a user journey, a, le a learning journey together. I, I say to sort of gave a preview of what we'll be talking about tonight, but um, I do urge foreshadowing. What I would like to note uh, for anyone listening, at very minimum, um, if you're listening to this episode, number seven is your first, I urge you to go back to the previous three or four to really get into understand where Matt is bringing you. And I think what's great about this is um, Matt's a marketing professional, and uh, he does this day in and day out. And this is just the kind of thing that he would give to a client. He's just giving it to you for free because he you know, that's what we do. We just want to share our knowledge with uh, charitable organizations. So, um, Matt, why don't you lead us into the discussion of where we're going to be going tonight? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, last week we discussed, uh, last couple of weeks, tactics versus strategy. We discussed why it's important to align 
mission, vision, tactics, right? With the orange effect last week. And then we started to move that into building the journey and the five parts of building a journey where our market segmentation, our target marketing, our personas, decision and inflection points, and then opportunities. But tonight we're gonna be right up at the top of that. We're gonna keep talking segments get into target marketing, and we're going to go a little bit further than that, okay? Um, and what's interesting is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about personas, and when I do, I'm going to get back to that article, buddy, because I think you were really, really on to something there with talking about how do people use cars and what could they do with cars. So we're going to talk about how we could take that idea and leverage a persona to turn it into something great for marketing tactically. Sound good? That sounds great, Matt. I, I This is one of my favorite topics. I love when we talk about personas yeah. because uh, it really gets down to uh, the who behind the activity on your website. That's right. That's right. So, right. And so to get to personas, we're going to start with segmentation strategies, right? So as we kind of started on at the end of last season, having no segmentation at all is called mass marketing. That's one message to everybody, right? And then having the opposite of no segment, a focus strategy or niche market, one tiny focused segment, right? So that is mass marketing. You would think the opposite of no segments is many segments, but it's actually one small segment. Pretty crazy, right? Mm. All right. So then we're, what we're going to do is we're going to say, okay, well, typically, what does a brand typically do? Well, we want to have two or more segments. They differentiate on some kind of commonality, some kind of thing to position the brand with those customers. Right. And then you have at the end of it, truly digital organizations. We call end of one. I am marketing to you. And it's almost like a digital version of a salesperson, somebody who can personalize that experience just for you. Right. So when you're choosing a segmentation strategy, you want to consider the level of effort to maintain and differentiate your organization within those segments. So like such thing as where are you in your product life cycle, your marketing resources, you know, how much budget do you have? Do you have time to write content for all of this? Right. And you also want to think about the customer may be that ultimate target. Right. But they may not be the one with the influence. So for instance, we were talking about before how somebody who may be donating their car, but maybe they're not the influencer. Maybe they're looking and they have a spouse or it's for a child or for a parent and they are an influencer of your ultimate customer. So you have to understand that may be one of your segment too. So part of the journey is mapping all of the different influencers along the journey. There's segments as well, right? And once you identify them, then you start to get into what's called your target market. You weed out everybody you don't want. Okay, these are not opportunities. Sometimes they are over-indexed as, as in like, look, I just can't compete, right? Everybody wants to go after that segment and everybody's trying it and it's, it's just too difficult for me to make any space. But what I can do effectively at a good cost, a good ROI, or I have access, or it fits well with my message is this segment over here. And so you start to say, that's gonna be my target. Now you're getting into from segments to target markets. And the next thing you're gonna do is you're gonna start building a data set 
around them. Now, a primary data set, primary and secondary, primary is something you build, secondary is something you buy, you get for free, or you download. So you want to start building that data. And a lot of times, there's a lot of free data sets. So I'm going to go to Nick on this one. So you'd be ready, Nick, is there's a lot of free data sets out there. And many times they are incomplete, or they're older, or they're complete, and they're low cost, there's a lot of great data out there. Now I'm going to go to Nick to talk about some data because Nick's done a great job with that for 501c3 lookup. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. <clears throat> so 501c3 lookup uses the United States uh, published 501c nonprofit data. So everything you see on the site, for the most part, comes from that, that data re repo. Um, so that's one of many. There is um, Medicaid and all kinds of health information that you can get. Uh, Data.org is the website, uh, Matt, you had pointed out in our yep. notes. Great website. It tells you everything the government has. And the mm -hmm. government has been publishing more and more every year. I just mentioned that the, the uh, Medicare, there's so much more. Census, every agency. weather. Just, yeah, tons of it. Um, I mean, there's there. If you're a data person, if you're, you know, I guess a, a lot of nonprofits, you know, maybe over their head, but it's out there. There's stuff out there for free. If you know Excel, if you know a little bit of that, you can you can download something and you can open it up. What uh, What strikes me, Nick, about yeah. about your website, and it's not my website. It's it's definitely just something that that you built on your own. Was you know these are these are credible sources. You can find them yourself, but wow, I just, wow, are the government websites hard to use. It's hard to find it. It's there, but like, you know, yeah. the, the magic that you did to make it easy. And again, I think what you did was great. It, it was, it, you donated time to make it easy for people to, to look up mm -hmm. the 501 C3s. Um, but I think that's the key thing. You made it easy. It is not easy. And the government does, does have st usability standards. They, I guess they just don't apply them to themselves. <laughs> it's true. Well, you know, what's interesting is, you know, that's one data set, another data set that when you're starting to look at your target markets that are often overlooked but extremely useful is the census data. Okay, so with census data, which is probably one of the easier data sets to use on, on data.gov, right, is, and they make it fairly easy, there's some graphs in there, there's some interactivity in there, or you can, as Nick said, download it, put in Excel if you're good with Excel, or you have a friend who's good with Excel. Um, what you do is you take that, and at its core, what you're going to be able to do is say, where are people, like geographically in the United States, levels of income, um, age range, right? This is, you're starting to get into a high level, what we call persona, right? You're starting to understand that target market, right? You're starting to say, do I want to go after people in this income bracket of this age with this? Now, when you get into the really high end stuff, like your Facebook personalized target marketing, right? You're, you're getting into interests like I'm going to live an active lifestyle or something like that. But when you're at this stage and you're still trying to put your strategy together, it's okay to be a little general and to just use things like census to be like, well, I'm in the state of New Jersey. Let me just take a look at that. Let me look at the zip codes around me to see what I can do to help, to see who lives around here, to see where the populations are and what do they need and how can, think, how can we 
you know, leverage that to start to say, is this a population that I think I can help with my organization that's, you know, in this local area? And does what I'm doing fit? And how can I make that, you know, an opportunity for my organization to really pitch in and do some good? And what we're doing there, if you can hear it, and I know Buddy can hear it, is we're starting to describe a person. We're starting to build a fictional character, a fictional character that we use in design to represent or personify one of these segments or target markets. And now we're starting to describe common patterns, behaviors, outlooks and opinions, and even potential objections. Like what did they, what would they say negatively? What would they react negatively? So now what you can do is you can start to use that persona to say, oh, you think donating cars is difficult. Oh, that's interesting, right? So now what we're going to do maybe for a little practice here is we're going to take that thought and we'll say, okay, buddy put this Edmonds article on about car donations, how it's difficult, how there's issues in, in the government and tax and the process. Let's build a real quick persona and see how that comes to life. What do you say? Sound like a good exercise? It sure does, Matt. All right. So what does Edmonds do at its core? What's a what's a use case you would be going to Edmonds for? To either buy or sell a car. Right. Uh, so I'm looking for what the fair market value is if I'm selling, fair market value if I'm buying. Right. Persona number one. Person who has a car who's looking to get rid of it. Now, when you're fishing, first up, fish where the fish are. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So you already know to Buddy's intuitive point, when somebody's on Edmonds, they may be looking to get, I mean, there's two options, right? Looking to buy a car or sell a car. Now, if they're on that price out my car and I'm pricing out a 10 year old Islander, right? Hmm. Do you think we're looking to buy that or sell that? Maybe we're looking to sell that, right? It's not a new car. Usually, maybe they're buying somewhere in the last five years, in the last 10 to 15. That might be a sell. And that might also be in our key target audience because we're looking for people. Do you think we're looking for people who can make good coin off their car by selling a 2019 Cadillac? Mm-mm. Right? Mm, no, they might be looking to keep some of that. But... Somebody who's got something still worth a good point, still a good car, still could help somebody get from A to B, an SUV that may help with deliveries for a charity or a blood bank or something. There's food or sandwiches. Hmm, this is a good car, right? Yeah, this and I want somebody. Yeah, and I think one of the things, if you don't mind me jumping in, I think, um, in. you know, as a as a family, we we've adopted a lot of dogs over the mm-hmm. years. My wife, my wife likes to adopt older dogs and really uh, because she'll go to the pet shelter and she'll say like, what, what dog's been here for a long time? So we've gone and adopted a lot of dogs and brought them to homes. But um, most recently she has been focusing on pit bulls uh, because they're great dogs, um, but they tend to be the ones that are euthanized most. Uh, and there's a network of people who help to bring these pit bulls. They might find them in the streets. They might find them abandoned. 
And, you know, as I think about the Highlander example, like a Highlander is a perfect vehicle to transport a dog. And if the organization were able to point to a place where somebody can say, look, you're, you're not going to get $1,000 for that Highlander, but we could use it. And I think that they're 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 not thinking about the person, yes. um, and 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 both my wife and I can both be influencers. We would both be considering the dog. Uh, in the case of the Highlander, it might be my car, and I might go look. We're, let's let's donate it to the Pitbull Association, and you know, do something with it, do some good with it, um, because the people who donate the dogs and transfer the dogs do it all with their own vehicle, all volunteer their time. But wear and tear on cars. Our dog, I think, came from Florida. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Long drive. Oh, and they train them up too, right? They yeah, they train them up, right? They go, yeah. they go. One will go to Georgia, then Georgia to you know yeah. wherever they go. So you know, there's a burden on people who want to do a good deed. So if we take it back to the Edmonds thing, you know, you have your person who is looking at the dog. In this case, you know, my wife will look at the dogs, decide which ones will you know will will consider, and then I could be the person who's thinking, well, we have this here in the driveway. We don't we don't need it. Um, not like I have all these cars sitting around, but just as an example. <laughs> It, it's one of those things where you go, well, I didn't really think of donating it to uh, the Pitbull Association. I wouldn't know to do that, except that we were talking about this. So now we have a persona, right? Yep. Somebody, and say we are, what we use the Pitbull Association, right? That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good charity. Let's move that forward. So they may be looking for somebody, right? They can work with Edmonds. They can work through targeted marketing. They can work through meta information. They're looking for what? Somebody who's pricing out a used car, reasonable, we don't want anything marked, not good condition, right? So reasonable car, reasonable condition. And why is that popping up over there? And um, within maybe 10 years or so, 10 years old, 10 to 15, not do SUV, right? And, and hey, if we can start to get into any kind of demographic, we're looking for somebody who has an interest in animals or just in some of the interested charities. And we're going to use that to say, here's a target market for us. We just designed a persona and we can say, great, we did that. Now, we're going to go to the next step, which is to say, well, why might they not do this, right? We just discussed a whole lot of reasons why somebody might not do this, right? Do we, what, what were some of the reasons we just we just mentioned when we were going over the article? Well, they might they might want to take that money for themselves, and then they get dissuaded by the complication of making that donation. And all of a sudden, it's not easy. So we think about the persona where somebody might have a lot of time. Maybe they're retired or they have very little time, like they have small children and they're rushing them off to soccer practice. Ah, so we just named two things which are interesting. Okay, we have children. Let's add that to the persona, right? We don't have a lot of time, some sort of busy or active lifestyle. Great. If we add them in, we can start to see why structuring parts of our organization around our mission makes a difference because what we're going to want to do is we're going to want to make it easy. We're going to want to convey that message that says, we make it easy. We'll come to you. Don't worry about paperwork. 
guaranteed pricing for what you'll be able to write off because we'll we know for this you know kind of age that you'll hit that five hundred dollar uh, minimum. So this is what what you're going to get for. We can give you this right at the time. We know what to ask for. We're in partnership with an organization that can come to your door and pick it up. We, you know all of these things. You can already prepare to say, hmm. I can see why somebody would be concerned and I can craft a message that says when I spot somebody who's looking to price out, possibly to sell, most likely not to buy, 10 to 15 year old SUV, reasonable shape, active lifestyle, interested in animals, possibly concerned with um, how they're going to get rid of it. Well, that we can craft a message on, that we can provide content on our website, right? You design it to say as easy as one, two, three, right? Here's how we do it. Click through the wizard. We've designed a portal just for you or possibly even partner with somebody that has, I'm sure if we looked around, we could find somebody that says, make it easy to donate boats, make it easy to donate cars or land or toys or books, or tell why, tell why we need a car, right? Why do we need a car? No, I actually, story. yeah, just as we were we were doing, I, I was I was typing to my wife a, a message. I go, "What's the pit bull group we support it's called? <laughs> it's called Second Chance Rescue in in New York City. Uh, Second Chance Rescue, and and yep. what Second Chance Rescue does is it connects people with with potential uh, dogs. But you know, if you think about it. They never ask us for anything except for can you send leashes and food and whatnot. Um, you look at those personas, Matt and Nick, you know, you, you recognize that there might be an opportunity for people to contribute in other ways, right? If they were targeting something with websites, they might say, we need help on a website. We would be like, oh, well, we can help. But, you know, I think charities have to learn how to uh, ask for the kind of help that is beyond just giving money. We've given money. After that, what else can I do? Right. You know, there's only so much money that you want to give. You want maybe you want to give some of your own time. Nick, I mean, you know, you're you're a web developer. If Second Chance Rescues said, hey, we, we need somebody to look at our website, sure. you'd probably be very happy to do it, right? Yeah. yeah don't be afraid to ask. You know, so you say, why didn't we see this on any site? I think sometimes they don't ask, you know, they're not, it's not at the top of mind and not thinking about it. They're thinking about donations. They're busy, not making excuses, but maybe they just don't think to, to you know, to ask. And, and maybe that's, that's, that's lesson one. Look forward to ask for help. That is yeah. such a great point, Nick. Lesson one is, is asking, reaching out to your community. Yeah. What skills yeah. do you have? How yeah. can you help me? It's like Habitat for Humanity, right? You, you, They just need people to give you a hammer and you start to work. <clears throat> Matt, we're, we're running a little close to time here. Did you um, want to wrap this and in, in, in preview where we were going next or were we going to cover the second half of this? No, absolutely. So, I mean, this is where we wanted to hit on for today, you know, starting to take a look at uh, target markets and, and get a little bit into personas, building them and, and applying them. Um, as we progress, there's a couple more places we're going to go, excuse me, starting next week, start to talk about how people make decisions and those inflection points and, and how do we message around them, where we started to talk a little bit about today, what are their desired behaviors and the barriers, which we again started to talk about today. And then 
It's going to be interesting. Maybe in the episode after, we're going to start to talk about behavior change. We're going to start to talk about things like we touched on today intuitively, but didn't call out to the front, which is you might not consider donating $5,000 to a charity, but you might give them your car. Interesting, right? Interesting how those things work. So, you know, it's interesting what you can start to think about when you talk, understand how decisions are made and behavior is done. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting into that with you guys. And Matt, I think what you've touched on was great because you think about some people who can't afford to five, uh, pay $5,000 or a family that says, hey, you know what? Every time we go to the pet store, we're going to buy an extra bag of dog biscuits. And it makes them be able to contribute what they can when they can. And I think you have to think about the person inside the persona, what motivates them, and then what means they have available. And if you if you only have one message, you're not going to have a nuanced conversation with your audience. You want to bring that all together, right? Provide the right information at the right time to help people make good choices. I think this is this is great, and you know, no matter how many times we talk about these things, um, it always strikes me that there's so much more to say. So, guys, where, Matt, where can we, where can people find this if they've just been past this link? Where can they find the po- podcast? Well, we have the videos up on YouTube at our YouTube channel, Five Hundred One Companion. We have them on the website, Five Hundred One C Three Lookup dot org, and you can find the podcast, the audio podcast, where wherever your podcasts are found. Apple, Google, (laughs) everything else, right? Fantastic. And Nick, um, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore Rufa, R-U-F-A, Instagram as well. And Matt, how about you? Where can Um, they find you? you, I'm linked everything off my website, MatthewBalogh.com, B-A-L-O-G-H.com. And I'm typically found on LinkedIn, messaging around LinkedIn groups. I find they're a wonderfully uh, focused part of, you know, kind of professional dialogue. Good stuff. Sounds good. Sounds good. I know you're a LinkedIn guy. Uh, and my name is <laughs> Buddy. Get me on that. I, you're a good, you're a LinkedIn leader. Uh, my name is Buddy Scalera, and you can find me everywhere at Buddy Scalera on Twitter, Buddy Scalera on Instagram, and of course, BuddyScalera.com. We thank you uh, for joining us on this journey. We are working hard to give you insights uh, that will help you to grow and improve and better serve your charitable organization. If you have any ideas or want to talk directly with us, uh, definitely visit our website um, or reach out to any of us on our social media handles. For episode number seven, this is the 501 Companion Podcast, and we'll see you guys soon. Thank you, everybody.